0: This is Horsepower Happenings!
1: Every once in a while you get to the racetrack and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man. It's I had to dust off my driver's seat. You no, know, I'll,
2: I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them.
0: Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We
1: wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this: we are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase now. Jared Horstman up to. Third down the back straight away. And
2: Rich France. The number 11 Hilliger machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace the tire and get back out.
0: Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis
3: Stemler. So this is Barry Marlowe. This is 14 time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is
0: three time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink.
1: And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome in to Horsepower Happenings. Delayed, but still very full of the greatest information happening around the Great Lakes region. Two great interviews lined up, two first-time winners, and a whole lot of information to unpack. All that coming up, but first, let's see what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Kurt Busch, Ross Chastain, they pulled the old shake and bake on uh, Little Brother Kyle Sunday at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Chastain, the lap car, slows up Kyle Busch, allows older brother Kurt Busch to get to his inside, and the rest is history. Kurt goes on to win and punches his ticket into the playoffs. Remember, Kurt Busch is still looking for a ride for the 2022 season. Marco Andretti found Victory Lane during the SRX Series visit to Slinger Super Speedway Saturday night. Slinger Nationals winner Luke Fenhaus finished in second ahead of Tony Stewart. Dennis Herb Jr. cashed in Saturday at Jackson Motorplex with the World of Outlaws. With the win, Herb picked up $20,000 and is now tied for 18th on the all-time win list. And exciting racing Saturday at Angola Motor Speedway, excuse me, Angola Motorsport Speedway. Saw Billy Hudson collect the win with the Vores Welding C.R.A. Late Model Sportsman. Also picking up a win Saturday was Caden White collecting his first Victory Custom Trailer C.R.A. Junior Late Model Series victory of his career those things and so much more happening tonight welcome in i'm zach heiser rich france joins me good evening sir
2: hi i gotta tell you uh did a great job last night uh, watch speed 51 you're down there calling the red butt 400 uh congratulations great job
1: hey thanks i appreciate it man that was my first trip to anderson speedway my first red Bud 400 and i got done with the race i was sweaty i was tired and i thought I'm ready to do it again. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to talk all about that. And uh, we're going to get a chance to talk with Kyle Crump coming up later on in the program. But, Rich, there was some racing that happened up here in the Mitten over the weekend.
2: Yeah, Zach, uh, after a big All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series weekend for the 4th of July holiday, some of the UMP late model drivers uh, kind of went on the road a little bit and found some success this past weekend. Uh, Dono Marcoulier picked up two wins at I-96 and at Thunderbird. Uh, Brandon Thoroughby captured another win at Winston. Uh, he's been hot up there all season long. And Chad Finley picked up a win uh, Friday night at Tri-City Motor Speedway.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, Brandon Thoroughby. I want to shout out to uh, my friend Jeremy Crash Peter or Pearson, who announces at Winston and at Thunderbird. And he made a great point going into the weekend. Thurlby is three for three in his last three appearances. He took a week off, uh, and if he wouldn't have... He could potentially be four in a row at Winston right now, so that that guy is on fire in in Muskegon. Yeah, he's that
2: he's got he's got it figured out, you know. Uh, and I don't know if he I don't know which car he's taking over there. I don't know if he if he's keeping the the Longhorn for the Challenge Series or what. But uh, but he sure is doing a heck of a job. Also, Zach, at the beginning of the show, I want to give a shout out uh, because we talked about this last week. This is for our Outlaw Late Model fans on pavement, uh, Todd Rosebra. Picked up the win at Onaway in the Steer the World 100, and the nice five thousand dollar payday. And a, a gentleman that's been hot all season long as well. Phil Bozell picked up the seven thousand dollar payday at the Border Battles at M40 this weekend. And Frank Giovanni picked up his first win of 2021 at the Flat Rock Speedway. And Zach, we talked last week about car counts for the Outlaws, how it was going to all work out with three races, uh, 19 cars at Onaway. 16 at m40 and 17 at flat rock not too bad
1: i want to ask you this um as we kind of work through all of this and we talked about it so much how do you think that plays out a a pretty even car count for everybody i mean are you happy with that or would I i mean in a perfect world we wouldn't have had so many conflicts but are you happy that it was pretty even across the board
2: yeah, I mean, of, of course, uh, you know, at, at races paying 5000 and 7000 I mean, obviously, if you're a promoter, you want to see more than 19 and 16 cars for those big races. Uh, Flat Rock was just a weekly show, a uh, 50-lap feature, um, and they were right there in the middle. So uh, I think we'll be able to tell here um, in a couple of weeks for the Stan Yeh Memorial 150 at Flat Rock. Uh, I expect closer to 30 cars to show up for that event we'll have to wait and see
1: yeah should be good nonetheless for sure um i'm glad to see that that everybody pretty much got a decent field uh you know uh, m40 the late edition um i don't know you're a late addition to an already busy weekend you can't be too mad about 16 cars and you got a good show so uh glad to see that let's talk dirt <clears throat> max stambaugh zane devalt they led the field to the green flag on friday at hartford speedway and devalt took the early lead Uh, by the way, in a car that he decided on Tuesday of that week that he was going to drive, he'd never seen it before. Brent Mann took the top spot just 10 laps later, and the race was slowed on the next rotation for Jared Horseman, who blew a right rear tire in turns three and four coming from a seventh starting spot. Dustin Daggett used the bottom of the racetrack to methodically work his way to the front of the field. And not long after taking the lead, Daggett went to the top of the racetrack to work through lap traffic. Man held on to the second spot while an impressive race unfolded for the top five positions. DeVault, Stambaugh, Rule, Greg Dahlman, Danny Sams, they all were racing hard for the uh, final spots in the closing laps of that race. And as they crossed the stripe, it would be Dustin Daggett who picked up the win. Uh, He was able to hold off. Check this out. Ryan Rule, Zane DeVault, they were going at it for third, as we alluded to there and uh, those guys really were racing very hard. It didn't matter about second spot. Brett Mann had that done. DeVault got third at the line. Ryan Rule came across and uh, finished in fifth. And then uh, Danny Sams did a nice job. I'm sorry, Ryan Rule came across fourth, and Danny Sams did a nice job to come home in fifth. And, uh, of course, I was there on Friday, so uh, got a chance to head on down and talk to Dustin after his win. Man, talk about this racetrack! You were bottom, you were top, you got around Brent, man. He was ripping the lip. You were methodical on the bottom. What did it take to win this race? Just patience around the bottom. Uh, you know, we,
3: we had a really good car. Uh, the guys were fast the top there at the beginning, and I knew just by the way the track looked, looked. That was going to keep moving up. And, uh, you know, the bottom just came in. It was a little bit faster. Our car could roll the bottom really good and come out of the corner. on the- And, uh, you know, I got to thank everybody that's involved here. Uh, you know, sweet, well, my grandpa, my dad, my Uncle Tom, Tracy, uh, Gary, and Ryan, you know, all these guys. I to thank Barry for putting got to thank all you fans for coming out and supporting
2: us without you guys wouldn't be possible
1: the Great Lakes traditional sprints field rolled to the speedway to close out the sprint car double on Friday night at Hartford Daggett and Mike Ostroskis led the field to the green flag but by the exit of turn two championship points leader Steve Irwin had come from his fourth starting spot to take the lead down the backstretch Irwin would officially lead lap number one, but Ostrowskis showed he wasn't going to go quietly, coming back to lead lap number two. The pair would exchange the lead at the stripe two more times before Ostrowskis put his number three A machine at the point for two consecutive laps. And then on lap seven, Irwin sailed his flying zero machine off into turns one and two and came away with the lead. Another exciting battle with the top five kept fans occupied as Irwin was gone. Lee Underwood, Parker Fredrickson, Keith Sheffer Jr., and Max Frank all wanted to be in the top five. And at the finish, Irwin with the win, Daggett, Underwood, Fredrickson, and Sheffer Jr. ended up your top five. And I got a chance to go down and talk to Steve in victory lane. You and Mike Straszkis go back forth for the first about seven laps and then you settle in after that car and just walk away man this car was on awesome. yeah we struggled
2: with this thing all night long we crashed it up at silver bullet and we went and ran some boss races last week and you know the car was hot and cold we had a shot to win four grand last saturday and couldn't get the car right and it wasn't right all night long and we finally nailed it you know i just like coming in, uh this hartford speedway thanks to pat and Roger you know, this non-wing deal ain't easy anymore since Barry's taking it over. It's it's tough. Everybody's stepping up their game, so, you know, these. Uh, hope the fans like all the sprint car stuff, and, um,
1: you know, nothing's better than all sprint cars. You're the only driver so far with multiple wins with GLTS. Now you have three. You open up that points lead over Keith Shepard Jr. Are you looking at points at all, or are you just trying to get wins?
2: Yeah, we got a lot of sponsors this year that want us to go to uh, Knoxville, but uh we got a lot of sponsors that want us to be around here, so uh, we're going to run the races around Michigan this year. Well, Zach, a fast track was prepared for the Great Lakes family of sprint cars um, with qualifying kicking off the night for all three divisions up at Merritt Speedway. uh, GLSS drivers nearly broke a five-year standing track record at Merritt when Danny Sams III set fast time at a 12.054, just missing the 12.046 record set by Dustin Daggett back in 2016. Lyndon Jones uh, and Dan McCarron brought the field around to the green flag in front of a solid crowd. McCarron jumped out to the early lead as Jones fell back to fourth. The race was slowed quickly on lap two when Zane DeVault spun off the nose of Daggett at the exit of turn two. As the drivers attempted to avoid DeVault, Uh, Sam's, and Eli Lakin got locked together as well as the caution flew. All drivers were able to continue. Sams, who uh, transferred into the show through the B-Main after mechanical issues in his heat race, was coming from the back of the pack for his uh, lap two caution and found great momentum on the top of the track. Sams began clicking off cars and was battling with Daggett for a top five spot late in the race when he got loose in turns one and two and spun in front of the field, drawing the second caution of the race. The restart was again controlled by McCarran. But an antsy Ryan Rule with five laps to go uh, set up a pass for the win. Rule took control of the top spot down the backstretch, held the lead through the checkered flag, collecting his third win of the season.
1: Now, as for the Great Lakes traditional sprint side of things, uh, we would break down the entire race, but we thought, hey, you know what, instead of doing that, why don't we bring in the guy who managed to get the job done on Saturday?
2: Yeah, Zach, uh, you know, he's, had a pretty good weekend when you pick up your first ever win for the Great Lakes traditional sprints at Merritt Speedway this weekend. Uh, he makes his home in Jerome, Michigan. Keith Shefford, Jr., welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, how are you guys doing? Really good. Tell, you know, I looked up how your weekend started, and you really went about this a, 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 probably different than I would have. You go out to Hartford, and, and you're fighting to get in the A main through the B, and, and you get a hard charge reward, work your – you know, have a pretty good race there. And then, uh, and then you head up to Amerit and close the deal. How, how good did that feel? Oh, that
0: felt amazing. You know, there's no other feeling like it. You go out there and uh, have two cars and run amazing. It's just unexplainable.
1: You know, as Rich mentioned, your weekend was pretty tough, and so I want to I break this down as you build up to this, because the first thing you're doing that's tough is you're running double duty. Uh, you're running the Great Lakes Super Sprints and the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints all weekend long, and I, I want to talk about the win, and I want to talk about how awesome that was, but I want to talk about your will to fight and your uh, just not giving up attitude. You come into Hartford having blown an engine uh, the Saturday before at Crystal, and man, I thought that you were continuing to have engine issues. Take me through your Friday with that winged car. What was going on?
0: Well, we just bought
1: that engine and we were,
0: you know, it sounded really good. It ran really good when we started at home and then we got to Hartford and my mechanic, he uh, messed up something, so we had to fix that real quick. <laughs> I'm laughing because and, uh, uh,
1: I'm pretty sure your mechanic is your dad, right?
0: Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so you got to
1: you got to find your words carefully here on how you explain what happened. I understand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there was there's an in and an out where on the block for the fuel and stuff, and he had that backwards. So then we had to uh, fix that real quick, and that was messing up the engine and making it stumble and stuff like that so we fixed that and then had to go in the b starting the tail we didn't get to qualify didn't go in the heat race or nothing like that had to work our way up and uh, we managed to get it done and get hard charger and make it up to 10th
1: i want to put this into perspective for the casual race fan or even the the avid race fan you show up to hartford first time this season because the first race got rained out so you show up you get no hot laps in turn you get no qualifying you get no heat race laps you show up in that b main and you're starting trunk top four are going to the show and there's what 12 or 14 guys in this last chance race what are you i mean are you thinking that you've even got a chance to make the show at this point
0: um honestly on that point you're just driving you're either gonna wreck it or you're either gonna make it one (laughs) of the two you know that was my mindset when i went out there
1: (laughs) So you drive hard, you get through the field, second, transfer into the show, and, uh, you know, decent showing for you at uh, at Hartford in the winged car. Uh, but, man, that non-wing, I want to go through some stats with you real quick before we talk about Saturday's win. And this is uh, for 2021 in the non-wing car. Tenth, fifth, second, second, third, third, second, fifth, and finally a win. Man, I think you found a home in non wing sprint car racing around here. Talk about how much fun you're having this season with that non wing car.
0: Oh, I am having a blast it's It's crazy, you know. I used to run it on mean all the time in non and uh micros and stuff like that and since I got into sprint cars, I haven't really been running that and then last year we kind of got back into it and then this year, like all right, we're gonna run both of these. Series And I'm just having a blast doing it. It's, it's just crazy fun.
2: Now I have a question. We've had guys on the show that run both as well, the wing and and the non-wing what's easiest for you. And is it difficult when you have to jump out of the seat in one and jump into the other?
0: Yeah, it's kind of hard. You know, you get in the non-wing, you got to kind of lift earlier and you got to kind of have that in your mind. You know, you can't go in there wide open like you can a ween car. Otherwise, you'll just blow your corner because you don't have that downforce and that wing to hold you there.
1: So now, do you have a preference on which you, that you would rather? Uh, the second part to Rich's question: Do you have a? Do you have one you'd rather be behind the wheel of?
0: Um, I love them both. They're both a lot of fun. Uh, I like non-wing better though, for sure. Is well, that, well, yeah, because he just walked.
1: I was going to ask that. I was going to say, is it because you're doing good in the non-wing? <laughs> he didn't answer. So I guess maybe, uh, maybe that's why. I don't know. Um, you know, you have had success in that wing sprint car, though, uh, you know, but the when we've talked about this before with other Great Lake Super Sprints guys that we've had, uh, the competition in winged sprint car racing is so fierce. And, and you talk about basically sometimes you go to these racetracks, Keith, and you just hold it to the wood and hope it sticks. And, and that's your race. And I'm pretty sure that at one point in your career, you were told you need to go and run with some people and figure out where you really stand. And I think you're doing that now. How do you feel that you stack up as as a youngster? against these veteran guys in this series uh that that are running this i mean some of these guys are doing this basically for a living how do you feel like you're doing
0: i feel like i'm doing pretty good you know just trying to learn a lot go up to other drivers and you know learn from all these other guys that i ran and all these different tracks are really helping me be a better driver and talking to these other drivers really helping me too
1: Let's go to Merritt now. On Saturday, uh, this is another doubleheader with the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints and the Great Lakes Super Sprints. You're running both of these cars, um, and, man, you came out of the box in this Traditional Sprint looking pretty good, and I think that you were expecting to be pretty good at this track too. Kind of slick, kind of a, a methodical type of racetrack that you need to have there. A little bit low car count, but that didn't matter. You went right out of the box there. Picked up a heat race win, started on the pole of the feature, and it almost went completely backwards for you on that first lap. Tell me what happened with that car.
0: Well, I was going to the first corner, and my dad, before I went out, he said it's going to be tight. Well, he said that before, and it wasn't tight. So <laughs> we went in, and the car just pushed like a dump truck, and uh, then I couldn't straighten it back out or anything until I got to the corner. So I just rode it out and. Just didn't give it enough throttle for it to go sideways in the corner. I didn't pitch it in hard enough, so that was what happened on the start.
1: And 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 now this happened in turn one. You you went in, car didn't turn. You lost, I don't know, maybe five or six spots going to turn three. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to get it back under under control. We're going to be okay. Does the exact same thing in turns three and four. Uh, f- officials throw a caution based on safety. Because your car was so erratic, we, I mean, they had no idea what was going on with that 86 machine. And because it's a safety caution, it's a complete restart. And, and you are, I mean, I'm going to say it as it is, Keith, you were blessed to be able to get your starting spot yeah. back. And uh, after that, you just went on a tear. That car looked like it was on rails. Uh, how was the rest of your race? It looked like it was pretty, pretty smooth sailing for me.
0: Yeah, it was pretty smooth sailing, you know. The biggest thing is just keeping my composure, taking deep breaths, under cautions when I get those cautions, and really just focusing.
1: So you mentioned uh, taking deep breaths and and the cautions and staying focused. Have you been in this position before? I mean, when you're in this, obviously we know this is a Great Lakes traditional sprints, First win, but in other racing in your past, uh, I mean, you got guys like Dustin Daggett and Steve Irwin breathing down your neck on these restarts. Take me through, I mean, what are you feeling inside the car at that point when you're getting ready for these restarts?
0: Um, that I know both of these guys are really good drivers that were behind me, and <laughs> I could feel Dustin behind me give me little bumps right there, and I was like, just keep it, keep your composure, because I've had that happen to me before in the past where. I get all excited and my brain would go crazy and then I'd lose it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a good feeling when you go against those big name drivers like that and are able to stay with them and beat them here and there. It's definitely a great feeling.
2: Now I've seen, I've seen a lot of racing at Merritt here in 2021, especially with the, with the UMP late models and they've been working on that racetrack, uh, you know, trying to make it make it better all year long, and and it always seems to kind of slick off uh, a little bit. Does that kind of level the playing field with some of these other guys when it does that, to where all you have to do is kind of concentrate on on your marks and what you're doing, and you don't have you don't have to worry about them as much.
0: Um, it just really depends, you know. It's all in the footwork. After that, once the track slicks off. Um it's it's just basically your footwork and being able to control it without just blistering your tires
1: pretty much now i think this question it may be easy to look back and say this but you know i think that that's two races in a row for merit where somebody has started on the point and they went on to win do you feel like you had a car good enough to pass cars if you ended up being put in the position where you needed to
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely feel like we had a good car to be able to start somewhere in the back and make it back
1: up and win it. Awesome, man. Well, you know, the other thing that this does for you is this puts you back in the conversation for the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints point standing. Steve Irwin was trying to walk away with this thing, and now I know that this is still going to sound like a lot, but that's because – it was a lot more going into Saturday. 74 points. Right. 74 points is your deficit on Steve Irwin right now. Are you looking at the championship standings, Keith, or are you just going out there and trying to win races?
0: Oh, yeah. We're definitely looking for championship standings. That's for sure. Um, that's why we're not running anywhere else with a non-wing car, just because we're focusing on this series and we're committed to win championship or at least try to. He's a really good driver and he's hard
1: to beat. But, yeah, we're definitely looking forward to championship and hopefully getting it. And, you know, uh, you and Steve are in a class of their own. Let me just uh, put this into perspective for the other fans who aren't following closely. Mike Ostrowski is a nearly 25-year veteran of sprint car racing, 184 points off of Steve Irwin. So you two are the class of the field right now. And and I say that in the point standings realm because – This series is competitive. When you have Dustin Daggetts and Brian Ruhlman's, uh, Max Frank is coming into his own this season, Mike Galasha when he shows up. These guys, we talk about it all the time with the super sprints, with the Great Lakes super sprints, but these guys that are unloading for these non-wing shows are no slouches either, and we're seeing guys come up from Indiana and Ohio too that run and play with these guys. You're competing against some of the best all the time.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, It's definitely tough. (laughs) definitely a tough crowd that's for sure
1: well keith man uh, congratulations on your win Uh, there's not a whole lot to break down you started on the pin you led 20 laps and you parked it in victory lane uh uh, that's a that's a (laughs) first career win without a lot of drama i don't know if you'd have it any other way
0: no definitely not <laughs>
1: you know i want to give you a chance though we didn't get a chance to talk in victory lane because of time i want to give you a chance now on this platform to thank the people that make it possible for you to do what you do i know you've got a great support system back at home
0: oh yeah my whole family my mom my dad everything everybody that puts their time and energy into the car uh, irish hills collision all my sponsors uh habit maintenance
1: Yeah, man, go 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 ahead and list them off. Yeah, exactly. I I want to give you a chance to list off your sponsors for sure. Yeah,
0: just everybody that's you know helped me through this and would is able to just give me the world for this stuff is just just crazy.
1: Well, man, uh, congratulations uh, on a fantastic run. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it again here very soon. I know that there's a couple of other dates that uh, the super sprints and the traditional sprints run together. I think that's the most fun is watching you jump in a, in one car and then get out of that car and get in another one and compete. And I'm looking forward to um, getting a chance to talk to you in victory lane two times in one night when you pick up your first super sprints win. Sound good? Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Hey, that's Keith Shefford Jr. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, Keith. Good luck, and we'll see you at a racetrack soon.
0: Thank you. Thank you guys for having me.
1: All right, well, it's always our pleasure to talk with Keith, and uh, glad to get a chance to throw a uh, young gun into the show tonight and put an interview smack dab in the middle of all the news. I figured, hey, why not? Why don't we, we're going to have the show drop on a Tuesday, why not change the format up a little bit, too, and just throw everybody off?
2: <laughs> well, that, that was the race he was running in. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and what a good, you know, you talk about that, Keith going out front, and it, it, was, it was kind of one lane on the bottom, Merritt has been struggling with some track prep this year, but... That track was fast. And uh, you know what? I think if more guys would have done what Danny Sams and Dustin Daggett ended up doing in the Super Sprints race and tried the top of the racetrack, we might have seen it kind of blow off and spread out a little bit. But everybody was pretty conservative and ran around the bottom. That track was fast. It was, a, a I mean, it was at least fast. Now we got to get it to be racy again. And uh, I think that they're making some gains there on that surface. So that was encouraging to see.
2: Yeah, he's, he's been doing that. <clears throat> You know, with, you know, trying to work with the Challenge Series to get it like that. And, uh, you know, he's had it good at times, but they're getting there. And I think the whole whole idea is to make sure that by the time Woodtick comes around, uh, he has a racy racy track for everybody to run on. Now, Zach, uh, ever since winning his 99th Summer Nationals feature event a few weeks ago, everyone has been watching and waiting for the moment that Shannon Babb would capture number 100. Well... The wait is over as Bab picked up the milestone victory on Friday night at Farmer City. It hasn't sucked in yet, but it will It will down the road, commented Bab. We've had a ton of great competition over the years, and a lot of people that were here before me taught us a lot. Bab pocketed $10,000 for good measure, with McKay Wenger and Garrett Alberson completing the podium. And on a side note, Zach, just in case you're still interested, uh, Nick Hoffman is 12%. 12. Oh, my word. In, in this year's modified <laughs> summer nationals by winning at Farmer City as well. The win was Hoffman's 50th career modified uh, summer nationals win. And uh, since Friday, the Hell Tour has endured three consecutive rainouts since that event, uh, hoping to get back on track tomorrow at Circle City Raceway in Indianapolis before heading north for stops at Thunderbird on Thursday, Hartford on Friday and Oakshade on saturday
1: you know i think the hell tour has encountered more rainouts this year than they have uh maybe ever <laughs> in years past I, I can't believe how many rains or how many shows they've had rained out this year tough break for the summer nationals
2: i think they had i think they if I, I remember there was a two-week span last year where they couldn't get a race in
1: well that's I true think.
2: but but when you're racing in uh you know when you're racing in july and july and august uh that's the heat of the summer. you got to deal with storms, and, and that's what they're dealing with right now.
1: Well, you want to talk about dealing with a storm. How about the Red Bud 400? Brighton, Michigan driver Kyle Crump came from two laps down to win a rough-and-tumble 55th annual Greg Hugler Automotive Group Redbud 400, presented by Mitch Auto Service and Perfecto. At Anderson Speedway, Monday night, a string of late-race cautions set up a wild and crazy finish. Seven drivers remained on the lead lap, and they all didn't think they had a chance, they knew they had a chance to win. One of the top template late model, super super late model events in the country, several drivers penalized in the late stages of the event for rough driving and being part of cautions, giving several drivers a chance to be up front after almost 400 grueling laps that saw... A lot of attrition and some mechanical issues. Roscoe, Illinois driver Austin Nason inherited the lead after a lap 380 caution on a restart when leader Dalton Armstrong, who had been dominating the event, and defending Red Bud 400 champion Carson Hosevar, made contact on the front stretch. Hosevar spins, makes contact with the outside wall in turn one. Armstrong goes to the tail of the lead lap cars. Hosevar reminds him that he is still number one in Hosevar's book. And uh, you know what? When it was all said and done, Armstrong led from lap 89 through lap 380 after passing Hosevar for the lead earlier in the event, but the final restart was when the magic happened. Crump used the bump and run on Nason entering turn one with Nason drifting up the track, allowing Crump to make the pass for the lead. Sammy Smith into second, and Crump would go on to get the biggest win of his career with a battered race car in his second career. ARCA CRA Super Series win. And, of course, we couldn't go on to do this show without bringing on Mr. Crump. We're going to talk to him coming up in just a few moments. But first, Rich, more news. And while we're talking about bumping runs and we're talking about beat-up race cars, I think that's a perfect segue into what we saw on Saturday night uh, from up north.
2: Yeah, Zach, we're, it's Saturday night. We're, these guys didn't tear each other up, but I don't think I think they're going to be doing this all season. Uh, Corey Heim wasn't thinking about the ongoing Arkham Menard Series championship battle between himself and Ty Gibbs as he raced in the closing laps of Saturday's Menards 250 at Elko Speedway. He was thinking about revenge in what the 19-year-old from Marietta, Georgia, described as a retaliation for his rival's aggressive driving earlier in the event. Haim, who restarted third with uh, three laps to go in the wake of a late caution, nudged race leader Gibbs out of the way on the evening's final drop of the green flag. Haim assumed the lead and proceeded to coast to his fourth win of the 2021 season. Haim enters Saturday night's Elko race uh, the ninth of 20 on the Arkham Menard Series schedule with a three-point edge over Gibbs for the lead in the standings. His win extends that lead to seven points, even though Gibbs received one bonus point for earning the General Tire Pole Award on Saturday. The Menards 250 was also the third round of the 2021 Sioux Chiefs Showdown. Gibbs still leads Heim in that championship by four points.
1: What a great story. What a great run. Haim was at the Red Bud, by the way, and uh, looked like he could have been a car to uh, deal with, but... They had some sort of issues uh, leaving the pits that ended up taking him out of the race. I was disappointed to see that because I wanted to see if he was going to be uh, a driver to contend with. I think he might have been, but uh, I don't know. You'll never you'll, – we'll never know, I guess, is uh, the way that they say that, Rich. So let's go back to the Red Bud. Crump moves Nason. Armstrong versus Hosevar, Armstrong versus Nassi. Uh, the Red Bud 400 Field versus Anderson Speedway. A lot of talk, and we're going to talk more about this with Kyle Crump coming up, but Rich France, a lot of discussion on social media right now about the rough driving at Anderson. Did you think that there was too much of it, just enough, or was there not enough of it for Anderson Speedway? What would you think?
2: Well, if you you look back at it, Zach, um, that that stuff didn't start happening until the money was on the line, inside 100 laps to go. Uh, First 300 was not that bad. You had some attrition. Um, not due to rough driving, just guys having issues. And I was concerned initially that, you know, there was so much attrition in the first hundred laps or 150 laps. um, I was concerned at how many cars we were going to have left, but uh, no, once, you know, once it was go time and, you know, Josevar and and, and Armstrong went at it and, you know, we know how that turned out. That didn't turn out, turn out too well for either one of them. I think that's what, you know, obviously Josevar uh, getting into the wall and, and it made it really tough on our Ar- Dalton Armstrong after that, having to go to the tail. There were still some very good cars, uh, in front of him that he had to try to chase down. And then, um, you know, in that process, as the laps wound down, he got a little antsy, uh, with Steven Nassi moved him.
1: And we all knew what per- was going to happen after. <laughs> and then we all knew what was
2: coming <laughs> to the next corner because we all know Steven Nassi, uh, And apparently Dalton Armstrong forgot who who was driving that 51 machine (laughs) because um, Nasty did not care and turned him right around in turn three and four with without thinking twice about it do you think i want to ask you that was intentional i want
1: to ask you this do you think armstrong maybe applied a little bit more break in the center of turns three and four to try to sell it i couldn't tell when i was watching the speed 51 monitor uh in the replays but it it kind of looked like and i'm not saying Nassie didn't turn him he did but it looked like armstrong maybe was trying to make a case for himself and kind of parked it a little bit uh didn't help they were both going to the tail
2: No, Nassie coasted in the corner and then jumped on the gas well before the center and just lifted him up and turned him. Gotcha. Um, It was no secret. And and Steven didn't argue about it. He was already, you know, after he moved down the main straightaway, he just slowed down and let all the field pass. He knew he was going to the rear, uh, and he decided to take the penalty. But uh, I think what everybody was talking about uh, today, Zach, was the final two laps. um, And whether that was right, wrong, or indifferent – and and I I I really like the way Greg Van Alst kind of described it when you talked to him. Um, if it's for third and fourth place, um, you're not going to do that. You're not going to move somebody for third and fourth place. Uh, for the big paycheck, fifteen thousand um, dollars. Yeah, he's go- He's getting moved. I think. And it's... and go Greg ahead. Van Alst didn't really have a chance to win the race. Uh, you know, he, he was good in practice, and then just didn't have the same car all night. Uh, You know, that's coming from a CRA CRA super series champion that says, yeah, you know, uh, if if it's the last lap or the last two laps and you have an opportunity, uh, you're going to move that guy lead. Absolutely. For the Red Bud 400 trophy, you know, no doubt in your mind.
1: Yeah. And, you know, here's the other thing, too. I think there's a lot of people beating up on Kyle Crump for that move. Um, I think you got to do it. I think you have to do everything in your power, especially as a hired gun, maybe even more so if you're somebody like Steven Nasse who's paying their own way now and, and, you know, they have their own equipment. But I think as a hired gun, you are obligated to do everything in your power if you're in that position, right? If, if Kyle Crump's running in third and turns, or not even turns, moves Sammy Smith up the hill for second, ah, come on, you know, probably a little bit more Sour Grapes. But for a Red Bud 400 championship or, you know, win $15,000, small guy like Kyle Crump, small team that he races for, I think if you don't do that, you're, you might take even more heat In you had a chance to win the race and you didn't take it. And here's the other thing. He didn't wreck Austin Nason. He didn't spin Austin Nason. He sent him up the hill. And unfortunately, Sammy. Smith, unfortunately for Nason, Sammy Smith was there and got to his inside, so Nason never had a chance to try to even the score. And Kyle Crump went on to win.
2: No, though. After that happened, that was the fastest lap and a half Kyle Crump ever drove in his life to make sure nobody got back to him. But you know, my opinion. Let's remember, Austin Nason did not give Kyle Crump a whole lot of room on that restart up on the wall. It it, it looked a lot like Armstrong Hosovar shoved up there it wasn't as hard as kind of armstrong i think you know shoving into hosovar where he made the contact down the main straightaway but he didn't give kyle a whole lot of options of where to go where he was going to go um he ran him up there and um you know kyle kind of backed out of it so he wouldn't get pinched in the wall to be honest with you and then going in the corner you know he just got him at the right time It, it wasn't hard it was just you know, we'll talk to Kyle more about it, but it, you know, I know from driving the cars that's where they're the lightest is going in the corner. Um, that not coming off the corner. I mean, that's where you got all the bite, and they're pretty stable. It's uh, going in the corner, and it it doesn't take a whole lot. He didn't drive through his door. He just, I think he just caught. I don't know that he caught him in. In front of the left rear tire i think it was the rear bumper and that's all he got
1: and let me ask you this if you're austin nason and you know you've got to know this is coming right via either your spotter or just in your mind know that there's two laps to go in the redbud 400 and we've heard nascar drivers talk about this and we've heard other late model drivers talk about this setting up defensively in some way going into a corner maybe and again this is a quarter mile anderson Speedway, but you pretty much know Kyle Crump's not passing you on the outside. Do you go down lower getting into turn one and try to protect and, and make him hit you in the right rear of the bumper so that your slide is still on that bottom groove? Um, you know, I I wonder if if Austin Nason didn't do enough to try to be defensive against that move coming from Kyle Crump.
2: Well, you said I, I think it all comes down to what you said a, a minute ago, Zach. Um, it's a quarter-mile bull, bull ring. Um, it's the Anderson speedway. This is not, as I've said in, in, you know, in before, this is not Daytona. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, this is a quarter mile bullring. If you expect anything less, you are flat out, out of your mind. So you, you you have to expect that inside two laps to go coming to the white flag. If the, the, if the guy running seconds there, Um, don't expect him to just be polite and say, I'm just going to follow you around the racetrack so you can collect, uh, you know, the biggest win of your career. No, I think I want it. And, um, you have to be able to take it. And and Kyle Crump wasn't, wasn't worried about it. And he, and he did what he had to do.
1: We've got Kyle waiting on the phone here and we're going to bring him in and and get his opinion on this coming up real quick. But final question, Kyle Crump's move to win. Are you here for it? Or do you wish that he had tried to pass him another way?
2: I am 100% for what he did. Uh, at the moment he did it right um you know if if there's 50 laps to go maybe you don't you don't pull that move at 50 laps to go inside of two laps to go i mean that's that's the move that's the move you make um if especially if nason is not giving you the whole bottom and he's not and he's going to make it hard to go around the top side uh it's a quarter mile bullring you don't have that much time to clear the path and it was so hard to pass there all night long yeah for anybody it was it was there were not a ton of clean passes on the outside um all all 400 laps i mean we watched it so inside two laps ago i'm fine Kyle Crumps the Redbud 400 champion There's i'm no here
1: for it as well the people saying that cra oh they didn't they didn't penalize they penalized uh dalton but they didn't penalize Kyle look both drivers hung onto their race cars. Austin Nason, if he wants to try to make a show, stand on the loud pedal and go around. You know what I mean? If you're gonna try to, you're gonna try to penalize Kyle Crump, you gotta spin that race car out. So no, no bad call on CRA in my opinion. Uh, no bad call on Kyle Crump. No bad call on Austin Nason. He did what he thought was the right thing to try to win that race, and that was stay in it and, and try to get back up to, to Kyle Crump's bumper, but it just didn't work out that way. Um, so uh, Nason finishes third, Sammy Smith second, and Kyle Crump picks up the win.
2: And for you know, Zach, what we don't ever want to get into is start making rough driving calls when a caution doesn't come out. Sure. When we're throwing cautions to make those calls, that is not where we want to go in racing, and, and that not just because of last night. Anytime. I mean, if, if you wreck somebody, that's a whole different story. You're under caution. You can address it. But we're not going to throw cautions just because somebody moves somebody and makes a pass. Um, that is not where we need to go with our sport. And and I thought that was a great, a spectacular finish last night. Uh, a classic finish for the Red Bud 400.
1: And with that, uh, remember to write Rich France in on your ballots on Tuesday and uh, we'll see him in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Rich, and now it's time to move into the, uh, really, the the pinnacle, the peak, the uh, climax of tonight's show. Um, It's our pleasure to welcome in the guy who got it done yesterday, last night, one of the biggest races in the country, one of the biggest races in the Midwest. Uh, Rich France, let us know who we're talking to.
2: Well, I'm so proud of this gentleman, Zach. We talk to him all the time. He's had a rough 2021, to be honest. He would admit that, too. Um, But last night, he... He finished the deal. He is your Redbud 400 champion, uh, Kyle Crump. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings.
3: Yeah, good to be on here and uh, good to get the job done last night as a heck of a
2: race. Now, look, tell me where where I'm wrong here. Let, let me start with this and you tell me where, where I go wrong. Um, beginning of the race looks like it's a Winchester 400 deja vu. You're running up front, looking real good. Uh, then you get a flat tire about midway in the race, Stop. go down two laps because you stop on the racetrack, you wreck the race car, they tape it up, it looks like it's in the demolition derby, and uh, two laps to go, you take the lead and and, and put it away. Did I miss anything?
3: Uh, I mean, there's so much that happened. I mean, you're telling me stuff that, honestly, I probably don't even remember that happened in the race. Uh, It's so hard to comprehend what's happening at that tight little boring ring but uh yeah I just remember I was riding biding my time in second for so long and just a uh, flat tire just ruined my race I thought we were done to be honest there's only like 60 laps to go or something like that and I don't even know how like just so many cautions at the end and uh, got the laps back I wasn't even sure if I was gonna get to race because the caution laps count at uh, red button till five to deg- five laps to go so I was like, I kept getting cautions, I was thankful, but at the same time, the laps keep ticking away, so I know I don't have time to get by people, and uh, thankfully, it all worked out.
1: Now, you mentioned the flat tire, and, and obviously, with CRA rules, uh, stop on the track, you get a two-lap penalty if you intentionally stop on the track. When this happened down the backstretch, I instantly thought, and I said this in the broadcast, I thought that you had another mechanical failure in 2021. Uh, we mentioned before uh, that you had the, a part fail at Berlin that, that sent you for a ride late in that race, and we're getting down, we're less than 100 laps to go, or it seemed like we were right around that 100 lap to go mark, and all of a sudden, smoke out of you on the back stretch, your car gets all squirrely, going into turn three, and you end up stopped in turn four. Did you just happen to know... Uh, soon enough going down the back stretch that the tire went flat so you just locked it up going into three or what what happened uh leading up to the to you stopping on the track
3: yeah so i I went into turn one and like the car just did not turn it didn't feel like a flat it it actually wasn't all the way down so it didn't feel like a uh, a flat to me it just did not turn like I, i almost had the wheel 180 degrees you only go like max 90 degrees if your car is really tight so I knew something was really wrong. And then I'm going down the straightaway and it, it started tugging left and right on me. So I was like, oh, <laughs> So I sailed it into three, trying to get on the brakes. And it was just going straight up to the wall. So I was trying to slow down as much as I could. But uh, at the same time, I was trying to stay out of the way because there was still quite a few cars on track and I could see it in my spot mirror. So I was like trying to stay out of the way, but also like get slow enough to where I wasn't going to, you know, end up in the
1: wall or something like that and really ruin the car. You know, you mentioned the caution flags at the end. Lap 334, uh, we have a caution flag, and then it starts, right? 347 is your caution flag. 355, another caution. 363, the 13th caution of the race. 370, the 14th caution of the race. 396, 397, all caution flag laps. Man, at what point do you think to yourself, because, again, three. 47 we're talking about 53 laps to go and you go two laps down is there a point in this race where you realize you're back in contention or, or i mean what, what's your mental set right there when we take the green flag with basically 50 laps to go
3: yeah the uh restart were armstrong and host of our wrecked and they were sending armstrong to the back and that was the one where i i had finally gotten back on the lead lap and at that moment it i was like I'm back in this thing because I'm going to restart like sixth or somewhere near the front, and I'm on the lead lap, and I know we have a, a bullet for a race car. So at that moment in time, I was like, all right, this is actually – this is, this could be possible here. We might be able to pull this one out.
2: You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. You, you kind of owe Dal- Dalton Armstrong, I think, because uh, if he doesn't get into Carson, which we didn't – nobody wanted to see that, what happened there but if he doesn't move Steven Nassi and then Nasse, the next corner just dumps him, um, you probably don't have a chance to get up on the front row and have a challenge for that race.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause that uh, that restart. Uh, Sammy Smith got me pretty good. Uh, I don't know what happened. He uh, just, he didn't really turn going into three and like he gave me a good shove. It had to knock the toe out of ton, So kind of, it really hurt my car right there. And then at that point, there's only like 12 laps to go. And I'm like, all right, never mind. It's over. And then, <laughs> and then I see Massey and Armstrong getting after it in front of me. And that just, like, opened the doors because I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to be second with, like, five laps to go here.
2: Now, I, now I have to ask you on that last uh, restart, um, you he didn't give you a lot of room. nason didn't. Um, was I the only one knowing that he was getting moved going into turn one, or did you know it too?
3: I think anybody who's watched the Red Bud 400 before or has a race and knows how big those races, that he was going to get moved going into that turn.
1: And, and so this has been the area of conversation, Kyle, and I want you to expand on that a little bit. There's been some people uh, on Twitter land and on Facebook who are, oh, the Red Bud never used to be like this. And, and oh, these late model drivers today, they just want to wreck stuff and blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm up there calling the race and uh, i think that my phrase was uh, crump sends nassy up the hill crump takes the lead down the back stretch in, in my professional opinion you didn't wreck nason uh, you just encouraged him to get out of your lane a little bit um, what, what are your what is your take on on because you weren't the only one who moved somebody for a position you talked about steven nassy and uh, we we talk about what happened between carson Hosevar and dalton armstrong and, and, and all these other incidents that happened throughout the course of this race what is your take? Is that the way that these cars on today's racetrack, today's cars? Is that the way you have to drive them if you're going to make a pass there?
3: I wouldn't say it's not how you have to drive them to pass there. Like I would, I would have much rather fast and clean. And given if it was a hundred laps to go, I, I mean I wouldn't have been as aggressive right there because I'd have had time to set up a pass or maybe kind of gently get into them on corner exit to you know show him my nose and get underneath them, but. Uh, I believe we had just taken two to go and you know he, he kind of ran me up the hill in three and four to get clear of me but uh he, he didn't do it good enough to get me far enough back to where I couldn't get him so when it was two to go like that that was my one and last opportunity to get there and be able to get that pass and with the way that Anderson is it's so hard to pass a an Anderson as you can see from watching the videos or previous red Bull races the Track is just so tight, and trying to be able to set up a move and do it clean is extremely hard. And when it comes down to the last two laps, and you're on old tires, it's kind of kind of bound to happen. I, like I, I guarantee you, he knew it was coming.
1: Well, and I want to—I'm asking you this too, as a driver. You so you send him up the hill. Um, probably the best thing that happens for you is Sammy Smith drives right in there out of nowhere to battle for the second spot nason if he gets the opportunity if we rewind this tape and he gets the opportunity to drive down the hill and get a run on you into three are you expecting him to return the favor if he gets close enough
3: yeah i was 100 percent expecting it uh so when i moved him like i, I I'm, I'm usually very a uh, clean racer so when i went into one i i really didn't know how like much to hit him or not hit him And so when I went down in there, I'm like, please just don't hit him enough to spin him. I I like kind of, it looks like I hit him a lot, but I really like barely nudged him, but it's on corner entry. So it's, uh, the car gets real light and it's very easy to get sent up the hill there. So, uh, when I hit him and I saw him drift up, I just like, I I stood on it on the back stretch and my spotter was calling. He's like clear by three. And I probably drove it deeper into turn three than I have all weekend long, (laughs) just making sure that he couldn't get back to me.
2: Now I I heard Zach's interview uh, after the race with Greg Van Alst and he's an Arcusier Super Series champion and he actually kind of had your back on that deal because Greg Van Alst says for third or fourth place, I'm not moving anybody. He goes for ten thousand dollars to win and the Red Butt four hundred, the guy's going around, you know? Um, and and like you said, that's what I thought too. It I it didn't look like you touched him very much. It was just where you touched him at.
3: Yeah, exactly. That was, uh, when, you, when you nudge a guy in corner entry, uh, it's, it's so easy to upset their car. And that's kind of one of those moves you don't really pull on somebody unless it's a last-ditch effort. Or, you know, it's kind of one of those very aggressive moves. Uh, you really got to have faith that the guy can hold it uh, when he gets sideways because you don't want to spin him out. And then you go to the tail as well and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was a very aggressive move, but it was something that, you know, in in my position, it was something that had to be done in order for me to be able to pass him and, you know, eventually go on to the win. And And uh, I think if if roles were reversed and, you know, I was on that inside position, I ran him up, I I would have been fully expecting it in return. And I know, uh, as Greg said, he would have done the same thing. And if you look back at previous Red Buds with uh, Stephen Wallace and Raphael Lassard. Same incidents happen there, and it's like uh, some red buds are clean, but uh, some come down to the wire like that, and that's what makes it so exciting.
2: And let's not forget, Kyle. The you know, off of that restart, he ran you pretty high down the main straightaway. He didn't give you a whole lot of room before your right side was going to be rubbing the wall, either.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, it was the restart before that. Uh, I, I got a pretty good one on him. I was if anything i had a nose on him in three and four coming to the green flag and he, he he didn't do it on purpose i don't think but he did he nudged me up the track there too and kind of killed my run the restart before so i knew going into that last and final restart i'm like all right he's gonna run me hard i expect it because you know we're racing for 15 grand and the redbud 400 so uh yeah he he ran me he ran me pretty dang clean uh kind of squeezed me in the wall a little bit on the back stretch, and then uh He drove me high in three and four. I was expecting it. If anything, I was expecting him to run me a little more high, so I couldn't get as close to him on the front stretch, but uh, just uh, how it played out.
1: I want to read some stats to you, and uh, then I want you to break it down. Lead changes in the Red Bud four hundred four lead changes throughout the course of that race uh Josevar leads early 1 through 88 Armstrong of course dominates 5 through 380 Nason 381 through 398 and then Crump 399 through 400 you officially take the lap uh you officially take the the lead with the white flag in the air Uh, first off um man one lap you lead the most important one but the domination that we saw out of this field it was so strong and it was such a tough field i mean and then oh by the way we're looking at 16 caution flags as well this was just a grueling race for somebody like you who's not dalton armstrong just out on a sunday drive well how much change how many changes were you trying to make i mean how hard were you working throughout the course of that race or were you just waiting for a break
3: yeah honestly uh when we, we unloaded on the uh, at Anderson on Sunday for practice and all we did was we just made uh, a few like four or five laps because there's some rain and stuff and we uh, had a new power steering unit on it. Uh, we, we had a borrowed one from Carson Osavar in the past because that was one of the mechanical failures we were facing earlier this season. So it was a brand new system, same one that Carson uses and uh, just make sure it worked on Friday. Saturday, uh, made one small adjustment. Car or Saturday, Monday, the Monday race, but uh, made one small adjustment and uh, the car was really good. Just, uh, I think I settled into second about after lap 100. And I was just, I was trying to catch Dalton, but uh, I was just pretty much riding for a, a good majority of that race. I knew the only way that I was going to be able to get Dalton was on uh, a late race restart or a restart in general because uh, he seemed to fire off a little bit slower than I did, but he had a much better long run car but uh that that was extremely fun that was the the first red bud 400 i've ever ran and uh whoa whoa wait a minute wait a minute, wait a minute wait a minute
1: you're one yeah. for one you're one for one
3: yeah that's my that was my first red bud. No,
1: i did not know that <laughs> Yeah. wow man that's uh that's setting high expectations for the rest of forever <laughs> right. i mean do do yeah. you do you go back do you go back or do you leave on a high note?
3: Oh, I want, I want to go back and run this race. Every opportunity I got that, that was so much fun. Uh, just like with how tight and compact that track is. And when you have a good car, it's a lot of fun. So when I'm running second and you're able to catch and pass lap cars and it's kind of like the strategy play where you're going to put place your car when you're catching these lap cars and you're racing some of the best guys there are. I mean, Carson Hosevar and, uh, Dalton Armstrong, they're like some of the best super light model racers around. And, uh, It's just like that that competition level and being at a track like that is probably one of the most fun races I've done in a long time.
2: Now, Kyle, I have to ask you this because you probably couldn't see it, but when you buckled up the hood and you had the nose, at the bottom of that nose was so bent up. um, It was kind of up in the center, down on the side. That car couldn't have been handling very well, even with all that tape on it and everything they, they put on it just to hold it back together.
3: Yeah, it definitely did get a little bit more tight, unfortunately. We did a small shock adjustment to try to help it. We didn't want to do anything crazy, uh, tune ourselves out of it. But it did get a little bit more snug. Uh, I don't know if you could see it. In one and two, I really had to slow down a little bit in the center after that. But uh, I was amazed. I was so scared that the uh, air inlet for the race be crushed because I was already running like 250 water temp the whole race. So I was like, when I got into Dalton, when he checked up for a lap car, I was super concerned, but thankfully it was all
1: okay. We had a chance to talk in Victory Lane. Uh, I was uh, so, uh, you know, excited that I was the one that was able to be down there and talk to you after everything. We get up on that stage, and and you get to – talking about the race and talking about your season. And you got a little emotional when you started talking about who it is that makes it possible for you to be there. And I just, I want to break that down a little bit uh, because you have had such a rough 2021, but mention the, again, talk about those people that you have behind you because uh, it seems as though they really mean a lot to you.
3: Yeah. And uh, something I want to bring up before this, what I found out after I won this race and I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media and everything like Uh, I, I don't pay anything for Stan and Judy's ride. Like at the end of 2016, I had my own pro late model. It was family funded, uh, race that as much as I could. And, you know, at the end of 2016, uh, we, I was done racing. I was going off to college. I'm a mechanical engineer. So when that started up, you know, the racing budget went away and, uh, you know, we're paying for school now. I got to look for my future racing fun and all, but doesn't pay the bills. And, uh, Johnny and Butch Van Dorn, uh, Dwayne McGonagall, they put in a really good word for me for Stan and Judy. And, you know, they, they took a pretty good, uh, leap of faith on me. Cause I didn't really do too much at the time as far as like, uh, big wins or, you know, anything like that. And so for me, that's just, it was so huge at the time for me because like, I always watched the Red Bud 400 when I had my own personal pro model. And, you know, I I went down to the race every year for Red Bull 400. I'm always watching it. You know, I never really thought this day would come where I even get to race it, let alone, you know, win the the dang thing. So uh, it's just, it it meant so much for me to be able to bring Stan and Judy that win. Uh, They're getting up there in age and just being able to knock off one of these huge crown jewel events for them uh, was really special because I don't know how much longer they're going to be doing this.
2: You know, I think it's kind of unique. The way you know you you won the Kalamazoo Clash, you pick this win up, um, but when 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 you're not winning, you're always right around the top two or three, um, and I think everybody notices that, and, and I think that's very important, and I think Stan and Judy also know that and, and trust you with their equipment.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like we we run good almost everywhere we go. I mean, there's definitely those certain occasions where we miss it and we're not running so hot. But like pretty much all of this year, other than when we got those mechanical failures, like we're we're always like in contention, I feel like, which is really all you can ask for. Because in racing, you never know what's going to happen.
1: Well, Kyle, uh, you know, you had a perfect day. It seemed like you qualify up front. You run up front. You you uh, come back from two laps down, and, and you make the perfect move to get the win. Uh, by the way, over half a second, you crossed the stripe ahead of uh, Sammy Smith. What's next for you, man? Now Red Bud 400 champion, you, you talk about crown jewels and trying to knock them off for that 131 car. What is next for you? What, what else do you want to try to get done this year or, or maybe in the next couple of years?
3: Yeah, let's see. I really want to get that Winchester 400. That's another one that's on my bucket list. That came so close last year, that the second place, honestly. It really didn't feel too good because I felt like we were just a a small adjustment away from getting a battle with Carson up there. But uh, I want to say Winchester 400 and uh, the Berlin 251 is another big one for me. I finished second to Boris there. Uh, I really want to get that one just because I love Berlin. It's such a nice place, facility. They put on such huge events. And uh, I want to knock off the Kalamazoo Clash this year with the Outlaw car. It's another big one for me.
1: There you go, man. Well, it was a lot of fun to get a chance to watch that. Rich France, anything you have in closing?
2: No, I was just wondering if I was going to see him at Toledo on Saturday in the Crosstown 50 car or not. Uh, no,
3: we're not going to be at Toledo on Saturday. Our uh, big engine for Toledo is still not done yet. So uh, we'll be there for the Glass City, though. That's on the uh, bucket list for that team.
1: Awesome, man. Well, hey, congratulations. Uh, you know, I think the one thing we didn't ask you is, how does it feel? Uh, when I called you, I said, is this the Red Bud 400 champion Kyle Crump? How does that statement feel? I mean, has it sunk in yet?
3: Yeah, it's really crazy. Like, uh, someone asked me before the race, like, how do you, how would you feel if you won it? And I'm like, to be honest, I don't know. Like, it's just really crazy to even think about it, to be able to pull something like that off. And uh, once I won it, I was looking at like previous winners, you know, you see Mark Martin on there, Kyle Busch, uh, Johnny Van Doren, somebody I look up to, uh, Eric Jones is on there, Daniel Hemrick, And it's like, man, my, my name is up there next to those guys. That's
1: and now now you've got a chance uh to join which carson had a chance and now you'll have one next year to join the short list of drivers who go back to back and i'd have to look and see here's here's a little challenge for you kyle we'll have to really dig and see how many drivers have won their first two appearances in the redbud 400 (laughs) or how many even have won their very first appearance
3: that's true i wonder if that's ever been done before <laughs>
1: man we're gonna have to look into that I, I i did not realize that was your first start man but uh, hey congratulations what a great show you guys put on Cong- uh you know and, and again i can't say it enough congratulations because you fought through so much adversity and uh, man we look forward to seeing it track again very soon as a red bed 400 champion
3: heck yeah yeah thanks for having me on guys
1: well, what a great conversation. I think that's the longest we have had a conversation with Kyle Crump on the show before. Somebody's a little fired up to be a Redbud 400 champion, I think. Uh, nice job, Kyle. Nice job to the team. And, uh, uh, you know, Rich, I know you were bummed out you couldn't be there, but I, I was so happy to be able to be a part of that and um, get a chance to talk to him on the stage and just soak in everything that is the Redbud. That was a really cool event. And if you've never gone, as I hadn't until Monday, I uh, invite you to check it out. What, what an awesome event.
2: And he, you know, he, this, he would have been on the map earlier if it wasn't for a young man named Carson Josevar right? because he had every bit of the car to win the Winchester 400, uh, last year, less than a year ago. So we saw that performance. So we know that, you know, that team has it in it. Um, you know, he has the support of Van Dorn racing development and Kyle Crump has turned into a very, very good race car driver. Um, you know, and he, He's going to get some more of these big ones. I just know it. That's just my opinion.
1: Well, let's take a look at the upcoming calendar for this weekend. And racing this week starts early because, Rich, as you alluded to earlier, the Dirt Car Nationals UMP Summer National Hell Tour coming to town. It'll start Thursday at Thunderbird Raceway before it moves on into the weekend. It should be a good show. Already hearing Bobby Pierce is planning on coming up and uh, you'll probably see some of the other drivers with the uh, Hell Tour in town this week because it is kind of the middle week of the tour. So uh, you could see some really big late model names of course going to do battle with our regional names as well. And then that'll roll right into the weekend on Friday at Hartford Speedway with another race for the Hell Tour Summer Nationals. But Rich, that's not the only game in town this weekend.
2: No, Zach, uh, if you're a sprint car fan, specifically on pavement, Kalamazoo Speedway is where you want to be. The Auto Value Wing Super Sprints will be there. And those things get around Kalamazoo Speedway, let me tell you. Outlaw Super Late Models, Street Stocks, Zoo Stocks, also in action uh, on Friday. Uh, racing, race time. Friday at the Kalamazoo Speedway, 7.30
1: p.m. Saturday, of course, Summer National hell Tours wrap up this week at Oak Shade. They'll be down there uh, battling in, uh, oh gosh, where's Oak Shade? Somewhere in Ohio. <laughs> I can't remember what the town <laughs> not, is. Not too far over the board. Wauseon. Wasion. Thank you so much. Yes, Wauseon. right right down there in Wauseon. And then uh, really a big weekend at a couple of our uh, racetracks. Uh, Berlin Raceway going to host the Arkham Series on Saturday. And uh, this is the Arkham Series, the same one that Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim are all mad at each other over. They're going to be at Berlin on Saturday. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then, Rich, you've got a really special event coming up on Saturday as well.
2: Yeah, I do. Toledo Speedway, the 62nd anniversary of the racetrack, uh, having an anniversary special. First time for the Outlaw Super Late Models uh, to be at the Toledo Speedway in 2021. We're going to run a 62 lap feature event, uh, which will be the only warm up this year before the Glass City 200 for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Late Model Sportsman's on a half mile, along with factory stocks and figure eights on the small track. They'll also be in action. Pits open at two gates open at 4:30 racing at seven o'clock on Saturday at Toledo. Uh, normally Toledo runs on Friday. Don't make that mistake.
1: Uh, will Flat Rock be in action Friday then? Flat.
2: We are switching to Friday for Flat Rock. Yes. So uh, Flat Rock just for this weekend they'll switch nights
1: awesome man well uh sounds like a great weekend lineup i'll of course be on a town down at nashville for the uh srx and masters of the pros almost 50 pro late models entered for the masters this year um so uh, that's going to be really fun to be down there uh, watching chase Berta. unfortunately andrew Shide just pulled his entry today so i'm not sure what's going on with the uh, with the Cadillac racing team, but hopefully they can uh, figure out what's going on and get back in things. So I'll be down there doing that. You'll be at Toledo on Saturday. Wherever you're going, uh, we invite you to have some fun and go to a racetrack. Get out there and see it. Summer, man, it's the middle of July already. So uh, if you haven't gone to the races yet, what are you waiting on? Get out there and support a race, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there. For Rich France, for Scott Menland who pays the bills, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings.
0: You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to
2: HorsepowerHappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.